Good morning. I wasn't really crying very much, and he started playing Great Is Thy Faithfulness, and it hit me. Did it to me. Thank you so much for being with us this morning at South City Church. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is our privilege for you to be with us, uh, to learn with us, to worship with us. We, it is such an honor to have you with us, so thank you for, for being here with us. Uh, this is a holiday weekend, and so some of our folks are out this weekend, but we're glad that you are here today. I've got a very dear friend in this family. Uh, Shelby Smith is here. Shelby, wave at me. Uh, I really miss you, Shelby. Love you. Appreciate your ministry. Shelby's a pastor at Fellowship Bible Church, and, and uh, his wonderful family is with him today. So glad that they're here with us today. If you were with us last week, you know that we started talking about some of our vision, uh, who we are as a church and who we want to be as a church. Uh, we say that South City Church exists to love God and all people by becoming authentic disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the city. We kind of worked through some of that last week, and we specifically talked about the fact that that vision can't be known alone. It's not my vision. It's not your individual vision. It can't be anybody's individual vision. It has to be our collective vision. In order for us to become that, in order for that to be true of us, we've got to do this together. We've got to be on mission together. We need each other. That's what we talked about last week. We can't do it alone. You know, um, last year... Have you noticed, I'm 46, and at about 40, things just started going downhill. I don't know what to tell you. Just started falling apart, you know? But the problem is, in your mind, you think you're 26, you know? I can still do that stuff, you know? It's fine. And you can't, but your mind does not tell you the truth. It lies to you. So last year, I was in Denver for a training and for some time with some friends and I love the snow ski. I love the beauty of the mountains. I love the, the sport of skiing. It's so much fun. And I went on this little, I decided since I'm in Denver, hey, I'm going to uh, just go skiing for a day. I asked a buddy to join me, so we went. I, I wasn't very far. I think I was one run down the mountain, and I started going, what have I done? What have I done? It, it didn't work quite the same way. I still skied fine, but my back was hurting, my legs were hurting, my, I was, I was uh, a little concerned. I got a few runs down the mountain, and I literally took this picture because I, I, looked like, I felt like death warmed over, and all I wanted to do was make it to the bottom of the mountain. You know what I mean? So I sent this, to my, my, this picture to my wife and said, pray for me. I want to get my money's worth out of the going skiing, but I just pray that I make it home to you alive because I'm not sure at this point if it's going to happen or not. Uh, the thing about skiing is when you're on top of a mountain, especially when you're in the shape I was in last year, I just wanted to get to the bottom. I needed to get to where I needed to be, right, so I could make it home. That was more important than, than skiing to me. And the way that I was to do that is to follow these trail markers, you know what I'm talking about? When you, go, when you get to the top of the mountain, you can go 10 different ways. And there's these big signs that have different colors and symbols and help you know, oh, that's the easy way down. Or, I'm just 26, that's the fun way down, right? Don't do that one. Don't do that one. I did that one time. It didn't end well for me, and I still didn't learn. But So I'm, those markers meant so much to me because that day, all I wanted to do was follow the green and the blue markers just get me to the bottom of the hill so I can make it home alive, right? Markers are so important. You know, before we had these uh, highfalutin, you know, smartphones and stuff, we, we had to actually follow road signs on the, on the street. You remember that? And actually, like Magellan, we had to have a map. 
you know, and just kind of follow the map on, on the paper and watch the road signs to know where we're going. We don't have a phone telling us to turn left. It's the same with us as a church. We have a place that we want to go. We have a, a destination we want to end up. That's our vision. That's what we just talked about. That's where we want to be. We said last week, a vision is sort of a future hope. It's what we want to be, but it's also a current struggle and a current reality to become that. It's, it's now and later, hopefully. But we've got to follow some road markers in order to help lead us to the vision. We call those road markers core values. They're core values. Core values are something, I think it says on your, on your uh, sheet there, core, core values are what help you lead you to where you want to go. And this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, our core values, if we're living in the way that we, we believe God wants us to, then we're going to be a people who are experiencing things like this, transformative discipleship. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Transformative discipleship. We're really changing and becoming the disciples we want to be. We're going to be people who are passionately worshiping Jesus with all of our lives, not just music, right? With all that we are, we're going to passionately worship. If we're experiencing God the way he wants us to, we're going to be people of authentic relationships. We're going to really have relationships that go deep. It won't just be fine and you at the front door of the church and then I'll never see you again, right? No, you're going to know me and I'm going to know you. I'm going to know your struggle. I'm going to know your victories and I'm going to walk with you through both of them. And if you need help, I'm going to help you because I love you. We want to have authentic, deep, meaningful relationships. And then we want to know that our lives are, are about more than just us. They're, they're bigger. Hopefully our lives are being lived for more than just today and just for us. They're bigger. We have a, an awareness that we're living missionally. Right? That we are aware of people around us. And we, we, we have to ask this question. Do they know the Lord or do they not know the Lord? And what does God want to do in my life so that I can help communicate the gospel of Jesus to them? We want to live missionally. And then if we're living missionally, that will move us into the streets of our community. It'll move us towards culture and towards uh, the marketplace, if you will, so that we can help people know the truth of who Jesus is. And honestly, if we're going to make any difference in this world... If we're going to make any difference in Southwest Little Rock or the city or the state, we're going to have to be very creative because we've heard about all of it in the Bible Belt, right? We, we, we kind of know it all. We figured it all out, and, and we've got, we got to do something different. We've got to be creative with how we communicate the gospel of Jesus so that people will not just write us off, but they'll hear us. They'll hear us, and more importantly, they'll know Jesus as their Savior. These are our core values. Creative expression being the last one. So uh, we don't just shoot for these things as, as road markers to where we want to go. Hopefully, they're also descriptors of who we are. I think about this as a husband. I would love, you know, um, I would love for people who know me and know my marriage and know my life to be able to go, hey, that's a, he, that guy's a good husband. I know he loves his wife. I know he serves her well. I know he, he serves the family. I know he helps. He's caring for them. He, he's loving his children. He's a good father, you know. I, that's what I hope. I hope that people see my life and can put descriptors to who I am. That's what I hope. In the same way as a church, yes, these core values are, are, what are gonna, they're, they're what's going to lead us to our vision, but hopefully they're real and true of us. And so people go, man, that's a good church. People there have real relationships. People in that church really are serious about the mission of Jesus. They're a creative bunch. They, their main thing is discipleship. 
We want those descriptors to be about our identity. We want that to be who we actually are. I want to jump into it this morning talking about our core values. Last week we talked about our vision statement and how it relates to us together. We need each other. But today I want to talk about our core values. And some of you say, well, we've talked about that before. You're right. And guess what? We're going to talk about it again and again and again. Because we have to keep it in front of us of why it's important. Why, why do we have this vision? What, what's the deal with this vision? And then what do these core values mean for us? And so you may have heard parts of this and you may not have heard parts of this. But for those of you who don't know it, we want to explain to you what's important to us as a church. Number one, transformative discipleship. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians, uh, this is a place where Paul pastored for a long time. These are people that he personally has discipled. He loves them. He loves them. And, and, and what's important in this text is we're going to see Paul's trying to say to them, it's not just enough to kind of just know Jesus. It's not just enough to be in a community. Paul says to the Ephesians, you need to go deeper. You need to build upon what you already know. Let's read this. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Watch this. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What does it mean when you build something? You start with one, one layer, right? And then you add another layer to it. And then you come and you put another layer on top of that. You're building on top of something. The concept is, yes, you have some sense of a foundation of the truth of, of who Jesus is. But now we build upon that. Paul is saying that God's expectation of you as a believer in Jesus is that you grow. It's not just that you learn that he's the savior of the world and praise God, I got my ticket out of hell. And that's enough. I'll just kind of show up and not pay attention. No. Paul is saying, keep growing. Keep building on the things that you know. Keep learning. Keep establishing yourself. By the way, some of you may say, listen, I've been, I've been a Christian for 50 years, man. You, you're not going to tell me much I don't know. A friend of mine says this all the time. He says, you don't graduate from discipleship. You don't graduate from discipleship. There's so much you can learn. There's so much you can know. There's so much deeper of an understanding of who God is and what he wants to teach you until you get to heaven. Until we step into the, to heaven and we reach the fullness of the knowledge of Christ we can learn and we can grow and we can deepen in our understanding of him. Also, it's very important for us as believers to know the truth. Why is that? Because, listen, this world is pulling us, you guys. It's pulling us in every possible way. I have dear friends, people I have pastored, people I have loved and cared for, people I have discipled who've gone off the rails and are starting to, to claim things that are not true. And they're trying to pull people away from the truth. And it breaks my heart. So why is it important for us to build upon what we know? Why is it important for us to, to have a depth of understanding and discipleship of who Jesus is and who he wants us to be? So that we're not pulled along with it. Just like that text says, so we're not moved to and fro like the, the ocean waves. 
by human cunning or the deceitfulness of the enemy. We need to know the truth and stand for it. We need to be a church that lives and breathes the truth of the word of God. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. That's the reason we need to be disciples. So what is your connection with the church? We all have different reasons. Some people feel connected to a church because it's just where I've always come. This building just feels like church to me. I just, this is where we come and I worship and my family always was here and, and we know people here. It's, it's tradition. For some people, it's tradition that brings you to the church. Well, it's just what, I, what we do. It's what we do. Our family goes to church. For some of you, it's guilt-related. Maybe you grew up in Catholicism or something where, that says that something you do gives you forgiveness. That's not true, by the way. Nothing you do gives you forgiveness. Only the grace and mercy of Jesus can forgive our sins. That's it. But some of us come to church and go, well, I I lived like the devil this week, and so I'll just come to church and just kind of, it makes me feel better to be there, like like I'm doing something right. No, you're just sitting with a bunch of people. That's all you're doing, right? I love that, that Billy Sunday quote that says, you know, you're not a Christian because you come to church in the same way you're not a car because you, sit in, you're, you're, because you stand in a garage. You know, just because you're standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. And just because you show up to the church doesn't make you a Christian. Sometimes guilt draws people to the church. Sometimes the program draws people. I mean, I like the music. I kind of like the speaker. I, I kind of like, you know, the, the, the coffee, whatever. None of those things are good reasons to be a part of the church. We need to be a part of the church because we're transformed. We're changed disciples. Maybe you notice these two, this this qualifier on each of these. Discipleship ought to be enough, by the way. Can I just say that? When we say you're a disciple, that ought to mean that you're changed. But in the Bible Belt, some of us don't get that. And so we felt the need to say transformative discipleship. You are a changed disciple. You're not the same. When Jesus came into your life, things went away. The old has passed away. The new has come. You're a new creation in Jesus. That's what ought to happen when you're saved. When he changes your life by his grace, you're transformed. Do you know people who call themselves Christians and they're not changed? You know people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you look at their life and you're going, I don't, I don't think so. It's not for us to judge or make that call. It's between them and God. However, our lives will be, uh, the fruit of our lives will, will speak to who we are and the truth of where we stand with God. Last week, we talked about love. We talked about love a little bit in John 14, 15, 21, and, and John 15, 10. John was saying, if we love Jesus, we'll what? You remember? We'll obey him. We'll follow his commandments. We'll obey him. We'll follow him because we love him. So it's not just what we say, it's what we do. It's what we do. Here's the second core value that is very important to us, passionate worship. Over in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Some of you say, you know, wait a minute, I thought worship was when we sang some songs. This, this verse doesn't say anything about music. This verse doesn't say anything about songs, singing some songs and showing up for the church service. 
He says, I urge you, brothers, to present your, your bodies, how you live, what you do with your body, your mouth, your hands, your mind. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, listen, in, in the Jewish uh, Levitical system, sacrifice was death. You would bring an animal and you would kill it. And that would be a pleasing aroma to the Lord, that sacrifice. But he didn't say kill it. He said, live it. There's a difference, right? He's saying, with your life, with your body, with all that you are, live for Jesus. And that will be your spiritual worship. It's not musical. It says, with all that you are. Jesus said a similar thing in Matthew 22. Verse 37, he said, you shall love the Lord with all your, all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus is saying, with everything you are, you need to be loving the Lord. Did Jesus say, love the Lord your God with at least two hours on Sunday morning? Is that what he said? Love the Lord your God with, you know, some of your money. Love the Lord your God with a little bit of your thoughts. No. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And when you do, you'll be a living sacrifice and that will be passionate worship for Jesus. You know, people, I, people laugh at me sometimes because I'm, I'm an emotional guy. I cry a lot. I cry all the time. I probably, a tear probably comes out of my eye once a day at some point. And a few years ago, I started kind of going, I'm not a big sissy. I mean, come on, what's the deal? And so I just started asking myself, why do I cry? What, what's going on in my soul that causes me to cry? And so I started kind of paying attention. When I'd feel that feeling that's coming over my heart, and I, you know, I get a little lip quiver, and all of a sudden my eyes well up with a tear, I, I, I paid attention. What, what's doing that in my heart, my soul? Why am I doing that? And I noticed it wasn't just random. <laughs> they were literally themes of the gospel of Jesus that caused me and my soul to weep. So it could be in a movie. It could be in a commercial. It could be something my daughter says. It could be anything in the world. But if it reminds me of redemption, if it reminds me of forgiveness, it reminds me of love, if it reminds me of sacrifice or hope, I might weep. They remind me of the story of Jesus. It, it's moving my affections. Listen, that's what worship is. What do you give your affections to this morning? Where are your affections? This is what I'm asking. What do you love? I don't think it's a coincidence that college football started yesterday, by the way, that I happen to be saying this, you know. Sometimes we can have such a love for college football, college basketball, or whatever it is that you're, you're connected to that you have given your affections to. My question is, do you love it more than Jesus? Because if you show up at a football game and you are rowdy, and your voice is loud, and you're demonstrative with everything you do, and then you come into the Lord's house like this. You might ought to check your heart. You might ought to look at what you love most in life, because there's a good chance maybe you've placed it in some place it shouldn't be. Passionate worship, according to Jesus in Matthew 22, is loving the Lord with all that you are. You know, I, I stand over here and I worship. I don't worship for you, by the way, okay? I'm not worshiping for you <laughs> because I'm not worshiping you. I worship Jesus. 
And when I worship Jesus, I picture him on his throne. That's how I worship. That's how I was taught to worship. When I'm, I'm worshiping you, I'm trying to not think of you. I'm trying to think of him. I'm trying for my heart and my soul and my mind to be connected to how good he is, how much he loves me, how glorious he is. And when I raise my hands and when I weep, it's not, I'm not thinking, I hope they don't mind. I don't care if you mind. Because he is worthy of my, of my praise. He's worthy of my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. We need to be a people who worship passionately. You show me what you're passionate about, and I'll show you what you worship. Calvin says that man is an idol factory. We're an idol factor. We come up with things that we, 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 we put before God, and, and guess what? Anything you place before Jesus is an idol. We don't like to say that or think about it, but church, is the truth. Am I saying you can't love sports? No. God has given us sports and family and work and, and hunting and things that we love, things that we just really enjoy. Those are gifts to you, but they belong in their rightful place. And when you place Jesus at the, at the head of your life, and you let other things come secondary, and they, and they go in the place they're supposed to go, man, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. He said, I want you to have abundant life, and to have that is to place the things uh, that should be right where they ought to be. To have a passionate worship life, you gotta have a Christian worldview. You gotta let everything filter through what it is that is important to you, how you spend your time, your money, the things you value. But things just need to be in their rightful place. Here's the third core value this morning. We talked a little bit about it last week, authentic relationships. I, I love what Paul says again here to the Romans in the same chapter, chapter 12 down to verse 9. Listen to what he says. The very first thing he says, let love be genuine. I love that. What does that mean? Don't fake it. Don't settle for surface. Let your love be genuine. He goes on, abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Guess what? That means passionate worship. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Listen, we talked about the fact that we need each other last week. This, this life and this Christian faith was never meant to be walked alone. They're never been meant to be, to be walked alone. We need each other. Yesterday, I went to a funeral for Casey's cousin. Casey's a dear friend of mine. I love him very much. And um, it was a very difficult funeral. A young man. And um, I didn't know the family aside from Casey. Um, I didn't know the young man. I didn't go for him and I didn't go for the family. I went for Casey because I love Casey. I wept 
my brother went with me. I, I wept for that young man and for that family because I love Casey. My heart was broken for my brother because I have a real relationship with him. And I know his heart was broken, and I know that mother's heart was broken. Church, we gotta, pu- we got to push past surface relationships. we got to go deeper. we gotta, we got to begin to walk life with people in a meaningful way. We have a saying around here that says, it's okay to not be okay. Because in order to be authentic, you gotta, you got to be real. you got to, whatever you're walking in with, that's what you're walking in with. My wife, uh, been a little stressed this week. We were driving in this morning. She was crying. And, uh, and just, we're just praying over her and talking with her. And I said, honey, all you can, all you can do is what, what you can do with what you have. <laughs> you know, it's okay. We do what we can with what we have. To be authentic means to just walk out with what you have. To accept each other. The saying is, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. If you have an issue, if something's going on with you, this is a safe place. This is a safe place for you to weep. It's a safe place for you to struggle with questions. And if we love you, we're going to come and try to know you. We're going to kind of try to come and help you. We're going to try and come and put our arms around you and show you it's going to get better. Not because we're helping you, but because Jesus loves you. And he has a plan. And he's working it all out. It's going to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. In order to have true community with each other in authentic relationships, you got to know people. they got to know you. you got to know what they're going through. you got to pray for them. you got to care for their need. And at times, you meet the need. That's what authentic relationships do. Here's another thing that we don't, haven't talked a whole lot about. Authentic relationships ought to be able to call you out. This is what I mean. We need people in our lives that will speak truth to us, right? When you go to the doctor and something's wrong, <laughs> do you want him to go, hey, it's okay, just, yeah, it's, everything's cool? No, 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 no. Tell me the truth. What's happening in me? Here's the deal, right? That's, you want truth. In the same way, Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If a friend loves you, you can trust it when he wounds you because he's trying to help you. He's trying to make you better. That's what an authentic relationship ought to be able to do. If somebody's just pouring on the compliments and never telling you truth, that's not trustworthy because we're all a mess at times and we all need to be corrected at times and we all need to be loved enough that somebody would be willing to love us even in truth. Here's the fourth core value, missional living. Life in Christ is not just about uh, having our own needs met. It's not just about having our own authentic relationships or growing in Christ. It's about being a witness to the world so that they can have authentic discipleship and transformative discipleship. It's we change so that we can be used of God for them to change. That's the point. Last week we said if we love God, we'll obey him. Well, Jesus said to his disciples, right? Remember what he said? He said, go into all the world. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them all the things I've taught you to observe. So if we love Jesus, we're going to be a people who will go. If we love Jesus, we'll be obedient. That's who he told. He told his disciples to go into the world. Are we loving him? Are we going? Do we have an awareness? This is the word I want you to understand from this core value. Do you have an awareness 
of the need for people around you, of their salvation. Too often when we talk about missions, we, you know, some of them might ask you, hey, do you guys do missions at your church? You might go, yeah, we take like two or three offerings a year. Yeah, sure. Listen, that is helpful, and we will continue to do that. We, but if a church is not on mission 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's not a church. We've got to be about the mission of Jesus, taking the gospel of Jesus to the world with whatever we can, however we can, do we each have an awareness of what that means? That people need him. Do we have a sense of that? We're all called to go. Look what Paul said in Romans 10, verse 14. He says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Wouldn't it be awesome if South City was known of people with some beautiful feet? It's weird, isn't it? Man, of South City, they got some beautiful feet over there. Because we're taking the gospel to people. Because we have an awareness of those people around us that serve us, that help us, that live near us, who need Jesus. We need to have missional awareness that's greater than just us and our own heart and our own relationship with Jesus. we got to move beyond that. It's more than a few prayers for missionaries. It's more than occasional mission trips. It's more than a few offerings. It's every day, wherever you are, being aware of who needs Jesus and what can you do to help them. That's what it is. Missional awareness. If you have that, let me ask you this, church. How does that change how you live? How does it change how you engage people everywhere? How does it change how you treat the waiter? How does it change how you treat people at the store? The other day I was at the Walmart Tire Center, which I'm almost convinced is the fifth circle of hell, by the way. Um, I was not having a good experience. Can I just say that? I was not happy. I was not enjoying myself. Um, we were getting some tires put on our truck. And I, can I just confess something to you real quick? I wanted to go off on some people. Can I just tell you that? I wanted with all that was in me to go off on some people. And I could just feel it just welling up in me. I just want to go. I just, it drive me crazy. And the Spirit just said, oh, yeah, how's that going to lead them to Jesus? Ugh. So I just I literally, I just literally physically took a step back, physically, just like, just count to 10 like my mom taught me. Count to 10, pray a prayer, see if I can love somebody, even though they're not being loving to me. What does it mean to have missional awareness? Does going off on people lead them to Jesus? No. It doesn't mean we don't stand up for ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't speak truth at times. But what are we doing? What... In my life, does my life present a witness to the world for Jesus? Does my heart pray for those around me to know him? We, we try to put people's names around our home who don't know Jesus. So when we see it, we look at that name and we begin to pray for that name. There's a couple on my mirror where I brush my teeth. And I'm praying for that couple. When I think of it, I try to pray for them. Lord, would you save them? What does it change about your mouth? Does it open your mouth? Mission awareness, does it open your mouth to speak, to have conversations with people who desperately need Jesus? 1 Peter 3.15 
says that we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. When somebody says, Drew, why, you know, why didn't you go off on that guy at the tire center? I need to be ready to give him the reason for the hope that I have in Christ. I need to be ready. We need to be a people who live in such a way that we can give the hope that we have in Christ. But look at the last sentence. Would you look at this? This is what we forget sometimes. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. We don't want to beat people over the head with the Bible. We want to love them to Jesus. We want to serve them to Jesus. We want to be sacrificial in such a way that they go, that must be Jesus. That's what we do. We want to be a people in a church that have the kind of missional awareness that we're willing to engage the culture. Not run from it, run to it and love people in our community. It leads us to the next core value, the fifth one, community engagement. A lot of churches get tunnel uh, you know, blindness, if you will, and they'll say, no, that Family Life Center, that's ours. Uh-uh, that's ours. And those softball fields, those are ours. These buildings, that's, this is ours. All this hours talk. You remember October 2nd, this coming October 2nd was two years ago that, that my wife and I came to help serve on the staff here. And that day, many of you were here, that day we, we did something. You remember what we did? We did a prayer walk. We did one last year too. I mean, we might do one this year. I don't know. We need to remember none of this is ours. This is Jesus' church. And he wants to use every square inch for his glory. We've got to let go of our grip of it and say, Lord, how can you use it? And how can you use us in this community to show people that you love them and we love them? This is his. We put up signs on the wall that said, not to us, O oh Lord. Not to us, but to your name we give glory. This is not about us, church. Being in this community, this building, these resources God has given us is not about us. It's to be used for his glory and for the souls of men. Our vision is to become authentic disciples. But it's not only about what we're learning and what we're becoming. It's about what we can show the community. Does this community know we love them? Does this community know we want to be invested in them? That we want to offer the things that God has given us to be a blessing to this community? I think they're learning. I know that there used to be some perceptions about Temple Baptist Church. I've heard some things from different people that have, different people have said some things that are not very winsome about Temple Baptist Church. Things that were said from members of the church that were racist, evil. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not good for us as a church. Listen, that's the main reason we changed the name of the church. We wanted a new conversation in this community. We wanted people to go, you know what? That's a different church with a different mission and a different heart, and they're different. I, I love this. Larry told me, he's told me several times, and I don't know how many times somebody's told him this, but Coach Clark has told me that many people have asked him, is that a black church over there that you're going to? I love it. I love it. You know why? Because we're changing perceptions. This is not a black church. This is not a white church. This is Jesus' church, where we will love God and all people. We're changing perceptions. This year we hosted the Minority Health Fair. It's beautiful this spring. We host LSY in our gym every day. It's our great blessing to partner with them. We hosted the Martin Luther King Summit 
from the Martin Luther King Commission here in this room. It was beautiful. Uh, we hosted a Nehemiah Network regional conference for pastors from churches around the city. We hosted uh, the Little Rock School District Southwest Cluster Meeting here. We hosted a community Palm Sunday service here. We hosted our Summerfest a few weeks ago. We hosted Our Kids Read, which is an initiative to help kids read in schools with tutors. In October, we'll host again our Trunk or Treat. Last year, we had close to 500 people. I'm hoping we can kick it up again another 100 people. We're trying to make it better every year so that the community can continue to know we're a church for the community to make Jesus known right here all around us. And we love them. It's not just words. And we will prove it. I don't know how many years it'll take. But every year we're going to walk it out with authenticity and credibility until they go, they really mean it. They really mean it. And they're going to change the city by God's grace. This is what Jeremiah said. When the nation of Israel was taken into exile... Jeremiah, listen, the people were, they were frustrated, they were tired, they wanted to go home. They didn't want to be there. And Jeremiah said, you are there for a reason. God has placed you there. God is doing a work in you and through you. And this is what he says, Jeremiah 29, uh, 4 through 7, but I want to focus on verse 7. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for it's in it's welfare, you will find your welfare. Listen, church, we got to seek the welfare of Southwest Little Rock. I serve as a co-director for PACA, which is a police and, and clergy association in Little Rock, right here in Southwest. And we have many churches that are connected to the police in Southwest Little Rock. The police are looking to this pastor's association for how we can be a blessing to Southwest Little Rock. And they're asking us as pastors. Isn't that incredible? And so we get to pray for police officers by name. We get to meet with police chiefs and city councilmen and women. We get to help pray for our city. God is doing something here. We're seeking the welfare of the city so that God will do something in us and through us for his glory. Here's the sixth core value, creative expression. God's word never changes. We know that. The one thing we will never compromise here is the Word of God. By His grace, we will never compromise the Word of God. His Word never changes, but how we communi communicate it, it has to. Communication methods are changing. Uh, uh, the way we receive the news is on Twitter now instead of the watching TV or the paper. I mean, things are changing every single day. So how we communicate the gospel has to follow in these uh, rhythms and in these ways, we have to change. We have to be effective to make him known. It's going to take creative, creativity to engage the world. In fact, sometimes people think churches compete with each other. We don't compete with churches. We have zero competition with another church. Let me tell you who we compete with. We compete with Starbucks. We compete with Target. We compete with Disney. Because those places are impacting and influencing and, and uh, they're helping create uh, inspiration for people in the way they do business. And so when people walk into our church and, and we don't do things with quality and we don't communicate in an effective, current, relevant way, they go, huh? Nah. That's why down, even down to your bulletin, to the graphics you see and to the atmosphere that we walk into, it means something. It doesn't mean as much as the content that we speak, but it means something. We want people to feel 
the authenticity that we're talking about. We want it to be quality. It's called textualization, contextualization. And it can't be greater than the content itself, but we have to be faithful to contextualize the message of Jesus to make him known. Does God care about paint and art? Does God care about beauty? Is he the greatest artist there has ever been? (laughs) Have you seen a sunset lately? Have you been to the lake lately? Ever been in the ocean? You ever been half dead on top of a mountain planning to ski down it? (laughs) It's beautiful. It's amazing. There's not another artist like our God. Of course he values beauty. I'll just give you these scriptures to, to consider. Exodus 35 and 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, if you take a chance to look at those on your own time. Those are uh, basically helping give descriptors of what he wants in the tabernacle and what he wants in the temple. You read through that and learn, does God care about beauty? Does God care about excellence? Does God care about quality? And do those things have meaning? You better believe they do. We've got to be creative as a church. We've got to be excellent in ways as a church so that we can make this message clear, so that we can help people know the truth of the Word of God. He loves art. He loves beauty. And in the church back in the day, they were highly valued. Stained glass, not necessarily this one. This is beautiful, but stained glass in in churches when they first started putting them in, most people couldn't read. So the thought was, what if we create some art in glass and we put it in the building So when people walk by the street, they can't read, but they can see the story of Jesus in pictures, and maybe they'll come to Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Is that creative? Did the church go, listen, well, people can't read, so let's put pictures in windows. I think it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's creative. Hymns, some of your favorite hymns, they were old bar melodies of songs that did not honor Christ. But there were some very creative people who came along and said, you know what, a lot of people know these melodies. Why don't we put content, words that will honor Jesus and be truthful to his word. Let's put those lyrics on top of these old melodies. And the very hymns that you love, the very hymns that we sing at funerals, the very hymns we worship to in our church, many of them were written to old bar melodies. You might not know that. That was creativity. That was somebody saying, you know what? I'm taking it back. Let's use that melody for God's glory and let people, because they'll know that melody, and all we have to do is put new words on top of it. And do you know them as bar melodies today? No. We know them as godly hymns of our faith because of creativity. Artists like Michelangelo and da Vinci, they went to great lengths to create paintings and sculptures that told stories of the Bible to help engage uh, the part of the brain. The right side of the brain is is the side that that has imagination and beauty and, and thinks about creativity and takes in sunsets, while the left side of the brain is about uh, lists and numbers and, and exact functionality. But the right side of the brain is what helps us embrace mystery. Listen, far too long the church has written too much information on the fact side. we got to get better about helping people discover the wonder of our God we got to start writing on this other side of the brain. That's why you can remember hymns where sometimes you can't remember Scripture because that, that part of your brain has written the truth of God. We've got we've to begin to engage creativity. 
in this culture. Our architects built beautiful, unbelievably gorgeous buildings that today are national treasures all around the world. Today you start a church, you can throw up a metal building and call it a church. It's not a bad thing. I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to say that's a bad idea. We need more churches, whatever you put them in. But there, what I'm trying to say is there was a value to beauty. There was a value to art that I think we need to recapture in the church. So let me ask you this question. We're going to close. Why is it important for us to talk about our core values? Why is it important for us to repeat these things? And we need to do it every year. You need to be able to, to rattle them off. Hey, this is what's important to me in our core values. These things, this is what they are. And this is why our church is important to our church. Let me tell you why. Number one, we need to keep these descriptors of who we want to be. These road signs of where we want to end up as a church, we got to keep them in front of us so that we can get there. Are we changed disciples? Are we? Are we worshiping Jesus with all that we are? Are we passionate? Listen, if somebody, if you're laying on your deathbed, stage four cancer, and the doctor says, I have no idea how many more days you have left, somebody walks into your hospital room and says, hey, I just want to let you know, tells your family, I'm going to heal you today. And they put their hands on you, and you're healed. The doctor says, I can't find any cancer. What would you do? What would you do? Would you jump up? Would you be like, oh, my gosh. He's changed. I'm healed. Would you jump up and down? Would you dance? Would you hold your family? Would you weep? Because hasn't Jesus done so much more than healed you of cancer? He's given you eternal life. And some of us can sit in church like this. Okay. May we worship passionately because of who he, what he's given us. Life everlasting Greater than any sports game, greater than any healing, greater than anything he can give us, he's given us Jesus. We need to be a people of authentic relationships because that's where life is lived out. And Jesus' way can be known through the conversations and the relationships that we have with one another. We need to be about something more than just ourselves. We need to be missional. We need to have an awareness in our hearts and our minds for everyone around us when you leave today. Have an awareness of the people around you. When you go to work, and maybe a guy that you've sat next to for 10 years and you've never once had a spiritual conversation, what will it take? Who knows that God is not already working in his life? Remember God works on both ends? Who knows that God's not already working in his life and you mention something to him and you can pray with him and him receive Jesus and you've changed his eternity by God's grace because you opened your mouth and you prayed for him. We need to have a spiritual awareness. We need to move from spiritual awareness of missions into our community and make a difference. Not just be people who take, but people who give more, who love more. And we don't just say some good things, we actually walk them out. And we need to do it creatively. It's important for us to talk about core values because these lead us to who we want to be as a church. And it's important to talk about core values this morning because many of you may be looking up here and saying, I'm still trying to make a decision about this church. I don't know if I want to be here or not. I want you to hear the things that we want to be and the things we're trying to be. We want to be these things. And with all that we are, we're trying to be these things. That's who South City Church is. These are our core values. Listen, this morning, if you, um, as we've talked about these different descriptors, Maybe God's moved something in your heart and you realize, hey, you know, I've got some work to do there.
I know God wants me to build upon what I already know. He wants me to grow as a believer. Maybe one of these areas, God's opening up your heart and saying, this is the area you need to work. This is the area you need to dig in a little deeper and know me a little more. So we're going to sing a song of worship. And I want to pray for you. And, and Jerry and Jerry, brother, brother Jerry's going to be down here. I'll be over here. And if we can pray for you, we would love to. That's one of the things I love about our church. This altar is open for you to come and get on your knees. It means something for you to, <laughs> to come and pray at this altar. You might stay right where you are. You might grab somebody's hand. Whatever it is that the Lord is leading you to do to move you towards more obedience, more worship, more passionate worship, deeper relationships, missional awareness, making a difference in our community and doing it with creative abilities, whatever the case may be. Would you just say yes? Would you come and be a part? If you're not a part of our church and you're looking for a church, we would love to have you. We need you. We don't want to steal people from churches. That's not our heart. We want to see people saved. But if God is doing a work in your heart and you want to be a part of the work that he's doing here, come on. Let's get, let's get to work. Let's get busy. We're in the middle of our What's Next group right now. In fact, if you, if you want to be a part of that group, it's Wednesday night at 6 p.m. You can still come. This is the last week to join for this round if you want to know more about our church. But as we sing, would you just would you seek the Lord? with your heart, your soul, your mind. Lord, how can I worship you with all that I am? And how can my life be lived as a living sacrifice to honor you with all that I do? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for uh, the descriptors, the road signs you've given us and our core values to help lead us to the kind of church we wanna be. God, would you help us to be serious about those things? Would you help us to make decisions uh, individually as families to begin to walk in those things so that we can become that church. God, would you give us courage? Would you help us to move us outside of our own uh, desires, our own wants, our own selfish needs, God, to, to the world? Give us an awareness beyond ourselves that we can make you known with all that we do. May we worship you now, Jesus. May we picture you and you alone and worship you for who you are, not worried about anybody else. And may we do so with all that we are. In Jesus' precious name.